0: Welcome to Private Banking Strategies Podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks, your secret weapon to protect your assets and never have to start over financially again. Vance and seth help high net worth individuals families business owners and investors structure an asset protected tax-free fortress for their families learn how to keep what you earn and use the velocity of money to create your own private banking system join us on this journey as we explore the secret strategies of the rich and political elite and help you take total control of your financial security now on to the show
1: Hello, and welcome to Private Banking Strategies with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. Seth, how are you? Doing great, Eric. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me, man. This is your podcast. I'm just here for the ride. I love this. I'm learning a ton. We're having a good time. And to the listening audience, this is the second part of a two-part podcast, and I left it kind of on a cliffhanger, Vance. We, We left off with number six. We're doing 10 different things, right? And it's how a specially designed Banking life insurance policy is constructed, right? That's exactly right. Okay. So I teased that last question, or right? I teased number six because I knew we wouldn't have time in the podcast. So, number six is private banking a short term or long term strategy? That's where we left off. That's the question I'm asking you, Vance.
2: Okay. And that's the question we're going to ask to the audience out there is, private banking strategy or the equation of banking put back in your life, is that going to be a short-term phenomenon or a strategic maneuver, or is that going to be a lifelong or a long-term strategy? Seth, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Get get us into that just a little bit, would you?
3: Sure. Considering that banking is a philosophical Way of doing things and a way of capturing the flow of money, the velocity of money, and the power of banking in your own individual family wealth. It's not a short term uh, endeavor and it's not a get rich uh, quick approach. It is a long term strategy that requires uh, discipline and requires one to turn things upside down, so to speak, and forget some things that they've learned, unlearn some bad habits, unlearn some bad things they've been taught, and relearn in a proper way uh, how to capture the wealth that they've been letting get out of their hands. Can exactly. I get my two cents on this?
1: Yeah, go ahead. I Honestly, as I've learned along with the audience for as many podcasts as you guys have done, I have really felt that this is a lifestyle. It's not even a long-term strategy. This is a lifestyle that you basically adopt for the rest of your life. It
2: changes everything. It really is, Eric. And thanks, Seth, for the definition there. What we're going to do, hopefully, with the audience is we're going to talk about a paradigm shift because once a system gets in our blood and in our brain, it's nigh impossible to change. And we have to ask for change to rethink how money flows. So let me give you a great example here. A lot of people think that, okay, we're talking about banking, blah, blah, blah. Well, when I put my money in the bank, it's immediately reaccessible. Here, we're starting up a new company. A bank, in order for it to get its charter, takes a minimum of five years, $15 million set in accounts that are non-interest-bearing and legal fees of over a million dollars today to try to get a a real live banking charter, but it must be worth it (laughs) because they still do it. So I want to go over and have everyone rethink how we do this. For long-term strategy, it's just like building a business. And a lot of people don't know that the statistics and the outline of a business being successful comes from life insurance, from actual life insurance policy history. So let me give you a good example. The three of us, we find a great opportunity, a great business that we want to start. So we do all the research, we do the math, we do everything we want to bring to bear, the advertising, everything it's going to take. We get to our budget, and let's say the budget's going to take $50,000 to keep our business open for an entire year. Eric, how long does a a startup business normally take to make a profit? I think the statistics are like three to five years, isn't it? Yeah, well, the average is five years. It's anywhere from three to seven. Mm. Okay. And did you guys know that that correlates exactly with what the cash value buildup in a policy is on on a normal a whole life insurance policy, it's usually the third to fifth year before money can start becoming available to use. And it's the same thing in a business. Well, what we present for clients in their own banking strategy, if we could pull 60% back in profits in year one, did we have a pretty good startup year? For sure. Oh, yeah. We we really do. So the banking is much more lucrative. Than the average business. So the time frame we need to understand, we're not going to have 100% access to all of our money up front. You wouldn't in a regular business anyway. And it would be at least three years to probably five years before you'd even see a penny release that could come back in profit. So it's important that we understand how we get into things. Banking will be more lucrative than that.
3: So that's number one. It's let, let, let me just add one other thing there, just to help folks, if I could advance just for a second. Because yeah. some people sometimes, Eric, they go, I you know, I put a hundred thousand dollars into my policy the first year. Why can't I use that hundred thousand dollars? Don't forget we're paying for insurance. There, there's an insurance aspect to it. And depending on your health and age and how you're rated, that person who's insured, if you're a 20-year-old. Olympic athlete who didn't take a vaccination, then you will most likely have very high longevity. And the actuaries at the life insurance companies know that. So they're going to charge less of a premium and less of a load, we call it, than someone who's 65 and barely insurable because they've had health challenges. It's the 65 year old is statistically going to die sooner than the 20 year old. So if they both put a hundred thousand dollars in, there will be a little bit different rating in the process of how much money they are able to pay out. That is the insurance company upon death. And those things affect the cash value. So that's Vance and I are explaining this in a little bit different way. Um, But effectively, it far uh, outperforms general startups when you can take 60% of that seed capital that you've placed in your banking business and take it right back out and put it to work. And we've used the illustration many times about taking that money right back out and putting it to work in an investment property or buying your credit card debt or auto debt. And we've got a lot of resources that people can listen to that drill down on those subjects and explain that concept further. But what Vance is accentuating is the fact that you can pull out a lot of your seed capital and put it right back to work. It's not just
2: lost in your business for five years. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that clarification. That's exactly. And that leads us into our next point, which would be number seven on the chart of 10. We don't want to get caught up in the advertisement out there. A lot of people have taken the infinite banking concept and figured out a way to profit off of it. And so they use all kinds of tactics and investments that may or may not be suitable. And one that we hear out there is our scheme, so to speak. It's called the 90-10 rule. And you're hearing things like, well, if you're not being able to put 90% of your money into what's known as a paid-up additions writer, which is where we single-pay life insurance and it's the reason that we have so much money available to us up front, And then you're being ripped off. That's absolutely untrue. These are people who advertise this and they are policy sales shops, so to speak. They sell the contracts and that's it. There is nothing available to build a foundation and help a client become fluent in this strategy. There's nothing there. And it reminds me of a story. There's two stories I wanna tell here that will indicate why. And then Seth, I want you to back this up for me uh, at a different angle. First of all, we've got Mutt and Jeff out there. Okay, they decide they're farm boys and uh, they're young. And they decide that they want to go into business. And they I talked to one of their other friends and a friend has a watermelon farm and they are able to purchase watermelons for the going price. And back in the day, they could buy a watermelon for 50 cents. And so they bought crates of watermelon and they got to, over to where they were going to sell them and said, okay, well, we got to figure out a price. That we want to charge for these watermelons. And he said, Yeah, you know what? We want to beat everybody else out there. So let's charge 45 cents per watermelon. And one of them, who was a little bit brighter, said, Aren't we going to lose money on each watermelon? And the guy thought and said, Yeah but we're going to make it up in volume. It doesn't make it doesn't, sense, doesn't, does it? doesn't quite add up, does it? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's not going to work. But because they talk themselves into it, they do it. Now let's go to reality. This is reality. You go home, your wife, your spouse has a tremendous headache, and she blacks out. You take her to the uh, doctor and find out that she has a brain tumor. But the good news is, is that it can be operated on and she should be able to recover 100%. What brain surgeon are you going to go get? Are you going to go get the cheapest out there on the block? Or are you going to get the very best brain surgeon out there rated the absolute best?
1: I'm the guy that used to sell watermelons. I'm going to choose somebody else. there has got to be <laughs> so, a better one out there.
2: So the moral of what we're talking about here is you need a policy. And this is why we're going through all of these steps is it has to be designed specifically for you to meet your needs and be able to do all the things for you. It can't be a fly by night. If you have to have support, they have to be there. So the mix and we're teaching people every time we show them how to set these things up, we're educating people how these are built and why. And 90 10 can't fly. It might be able to do a contract that way uh, at some point. But even over the long term, there is, it's not any better than doing it the right way. It would never, it will never be any better. Maybe the short term, you might have a few dollars more available. The long term, you won't. So we're talking about schemes. Seth, share a little bit more with us about that and why they need to be cautious. Sure.
3: Yeah. You want to be able to have folks that can support the banking theory, the banking protocol that you've structured. You want to be able to put these techniques into practice and actually train you how to do it. And most folks out there, even one of the biggest marketers in this space is actually not licensed, but farms the leads out to other uh, licensed practitioners in different states and they place policies. And then th- sometimes these folks will wash up on our shore and say, yeah, they sold us a policy, but no one taught us how to use it. You actually need someone that can teach you how to use it. That's why we've developed a learning library. Here's a selfless plug, Eric, that, uh, that I have no shame in telling our audience about. And our clients are the beneficiaries of what we call the learning library in private banking strategies. And it's kind of like a mind dump or a data dump mm. of all of the strategies and things that that Vance has acquired over his career. And likewise, what I've developed over my career, we put it into a digital learning platform on demand so folks can get in and teach themselves. And so we think that's a critical step in having folks excel with this. And some of our best clients are the ones who've really taken the time to to learn these strategies and who've showed up and taken advantage of the resources that we're providing and it excels. We've got numerous clients, and I'm thinking of a handful that they own their real estate outright. They've got all of their money moving and working for them and assets that they're continually making interest on in a tax-free environment, and they get it. And once it clicks and people begin to operate with this, it's like it's contagious. They're looking for other assets to acquire that keep their money at work and keep them turning the dollar, just like centralized banks too. They're always looking for good loans because they are able to generate money out of thin air and they generate money on their loans. That's confession
1: time, guys. I got to be honest with you. I feel like I've been cheating on you a little bit (laughs) because I'm on TikTok, not me personally. I like to peruse TikTok. I like to look at TikTok. I don't know if you guys have gotten on there, but there are some folks that are saying this same kind of concept. They're not saying the same thing as you. They're saying the same kind of concept. They're talking. if you get a life insurance policy, you can be your own bank. I have gone to two of these folks sites and they have nothing. They give you nothing. They give you just the teaser. Oh, you could be your own bank. You can do this. You can do that. But there's no resources. I've been to your resources. I know what you guys have, but I don't know if you knew that on TikTok, there are folks saying this same kind of concept without any, without any support structure whatsoever, no educational tools. I mean, you've got them beat hands down. I know that this is why you guys are doing the podcast. You want to educate folks. You want this information to get out, but you're not a one-and-done type of deal like these guys on TikTok. I found it interesting because I, I did try to dig a little bit and see what they had to offer, compare. They got nothing,
2: nothing. We find that. We get reports from our clients all the time and the people who are looking at us. They've been influenced by these other ads and things, Mm -hmm. and every once in a while, they fall prey to those. They don't become our clients because they believe what they have, and they haven't had a chance to look at understanding how to operate your own private bank. That's not easy, and that information is not well known. And that takes a little bit of time, Eric, you know, that that takes a little time and effort to really Mm -hmm. start understanding because you have to change the way you think about money.
4: Do you see yourself in that story? Do you feel like you are generating a lot of revenue, but are not moving forward as fast as you would like? Are you ready for help? Please call Private Banking Strategies at 817-200-4777 or visit us at www.privatebankingstrategies.com.
2: That brings us right into our eighth option here that we want to talk about. The reason I have done this for so long with clients is that no two clients are exactly identical. Each person comes with a different set of circumstances, needs, wants, desires. And the beauty of self-banking is it can be entirely created around those personal goals. It's not a cookie cutter it's not fit. You have to fit this way. You have to do this. Now there are some things, okay, I'm going to teach you ABC about the banking, but then you're free to run it the way you want to. I'm sure, you know, I'm going to turn some time over to Seth here because we've got some clients that we've actually tailored and I think it's been very successful for them. Share a couple of thoughts there, Seth, would you?
3: Sure. Yeah. We're talking about capturing the banking equation in your own family wealth. And there are numerous targets, no matter where you are in life, Eric, if you're folks that are overwhelmed with credit card debt, and you've got no way out, you can't see a way out. Um, we've got the chiropractic example, which is a deep dive on a client that came into Vance's office and they were overwhelmed and the wife was in tears and they were distraught that they felt like they would never get out of debt. And they were on the verge of filing for bankruptcy and having to lose certain assets. And Vance showed them how they could use these principles, take the banking equation back and effectively climb out of that hole into the black. And that's what they did. They started attacking one debt after another with their bank proceeds and all of their extra cash flow. They capitalized their bank, giving them more money in their bank to loan out and purchase the debt, so to speak, paying off a credit card, and then their bank owns that debt until they had no credit card debt, and they had no automobile debt, and they had no other third-party debt, and they're able to start advancing their wealth building, acquiring another chiropractic office, and then another chiropractic office, and building cash flow all the time when those payments coming back into their bank, just like they'd used a third-party bank. So that's someone that was deep in debt that, that, that accelerated out of that, and we've got those podcasts there that folks can listen to for the full story. Then we have other folks that that you know successful attorneys who weren't in debt and had a lot of cash and were a- able to bank these things, acquire additional assets and continue to expand their wealth building assets all with cash flow coming back into their bank. There there's no matter where you are in this strata there is the ability to take the banking equation back into your life, operate your own bank and effectively accelerate your wealth building, all in, as we often say, the tax-free environment of Internal Revenue Code 7702. There's financial privacy there, there's asset protection in the right states, and you've got just a perfect banking equation for yourself.
2: Couldn't have said anything better than that. I hope our listeners out there are starting to actually realize we really do know what we're doing here. We've got the experience that we need to help you get a whole different outlook and outcome on money and finances. Let's move on to the next one which is trying to make these contracts 100% efficient as quickly as possible. This goes back to number seven, the 90-10. People are trying to get upfront money really fast and make this work for them. Well, our job to begin with is making these contracts, making the premium 100% or going above 100% efficient as quickly as possible. So what does that mean? It means that if you put a dollar in, if it's going to be more than 100% efficient, you should be able to pull out really quickly more than 100%. Correct, Eric? As far as I know, yeah, that sounds good okay. to me. Okay. So we design these contracts to be able to do that. And one of the things that we've said in other podcasts and helping people to understand if you trusted me and I came to you and said, I have an investment that every dollar you put in in year five is going to grow to a dollar five, a dollar ten, or a dollar twenty or more, guaranteed. How many of those do you want? A lot. So we all say that. Well, as many as I can get. These contracts that we produce, on the average, now it's not that way in every case. And Seth stated that right up front. Depending on health and circumstances. But in year five, we not only suggest lowering the premium, but we then go over 100% of what we actually put in as premium, and we change that verbiage from premium to capitalization. The money we're putting in to these contracts is capitalizing our bank. The more we can get in there, the better off we are. The more contracts we get into I mean, into their fifth year, the more profitable we're going to be. So follow that up with me, Seth, you've got a few more comments on that, I know.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's no business on earth that you can put a dollar into and actually get a dollar ten, a dollar twenty, dollar thirty in actual value to be able to put to work. But the act, the life insurance policies that we structure, um, after years four and five, that's what we call hundred percent efficient. And you're actually getting more cash value accredited into your bank ready to loan uh, than what you're putting in year after year. And so that's what Vance is describing. And effectively you could have your bank fully capitalized with the, every dollar that you've put in it, but you could go take 20 or 30, 40% Delta on that and put that to work. Just like it were appearing out of thin air, and although we think our strategy is to keep the velocity of money moving and in, in uh, appropriate assets, that there's no other there's no other business that I'm aware of, another asset that I'm aware of that pays you more than you put in, in an efficiency standpoint. So that's something that's super attractive to me and to most of our clients.
2: Okay, great. Any comment, Eric? No, I'm loving this. (laughs) Okay, number 10, our last item that we want to do, and this actually will introduce a future podcast that we're going to be doing, is we want to be able to to expand. How do we expand our bank once we get going? And the best way for me to explain that is to tell you a little bit of uh, a story about myself and what I've done with this concept over the last 18 years. I thought at the beginning that, oh, if I design one big contract, that I'm just going to be happy and everything's going to be fine. I found out within less than 60 days, that was incorrect. My mentor and Nelson all told me, no, that's not that's not going to work. You're going to need a series of policies. And you'll find out if you don't believe what we've written and told you, you're going to find out on your own that that's what you're going to have to do. Once people set a contract up, that total amount is etched in granite and you cannot exceed that. We build these contracts so tight that again, and I'm just throwing figures out people can do anything from $5,000 on up annually. But if we're doing $50,000, you cannot put $50,000 and 10 cents into a contract in one year, it will put it into a modified endowment. And that becomes frustrating when you want to get sock more money in. And you've got all these payments coming in, you've got this money rotating, you want to put it back into your bank, and your bank's full. So this is why we do a series of contracts. And I'm going to Do one little strategy here for everybody, and it's called laddering. So, I presented this to my kids. Now, my kids, of course, they're smarter than I am, and I presented it kind of wrongly, (laughs) and they rejected it. And it just crushed me because we really found this out to be very successful. So, I thought, you know what? I'm going to skip my kids, I'm going to go straight to my grandkids. So I got permission from each of my grandkids' parents, my kids and spouse, to allow me to put a policy on the grandkids. And the way I did that was I put a policy on the first grandkid, and I took the cash value and put a policy on the second grandkid. I took the money out on third, fourth, fifth, all the way up to 10 grandkids. Now, unless you have a strategy, you don't ladder. But I have a strategy. It was called a windfall. I knew that I would be selling property. I knew that uh, large sums of money would be coming in. And so we borrowed the money from each policy to pay the premiums. And every so often, even as often as once per year, once every three years, once every five years, We went a total of five years and a windfall came in. Now there's all kinds of room because of loans out on the policies. We were able to maximize those policies out. After five years, that wasn't enough. And we had to start gaining additional policies because as the money flows, you have to have a very safe haven to store the money. And the policy, and we like to call it a money warehouse is where we store the money if we can't go buy debt. And over the first 10 years, I was buying debt. But after 10 years, myself, like many of our clients, ran out of debt to buy. And now we're coaxing our in-laws, our extended family, look, let, you know we're buying all the used car loans. It won't change for you at all, but the money that the banks would make off of you is now going to be part of the family bank and you get credit for that. So to try to keep our money at work. So laddering is definitely a way to get things in, get things established, especially if the horizon looks like there's going to be some windfalls coming in. You want loans out on these policies. Um, People for the life of me Even some of our clients who are supposedly experienced still feel like, oh, I got to pay these policy loans off. And so they're looking at it the old way. Policy loans are assets working for you if you bought debt with that money because you've got monthly payments coming in off of it. And the outstanding balance on your loans is the remaining money you still have out at work. So as long as there's a gap, there's money, all that money can be moving back into the policy if we're not buying more debt. But the second the loans are paid off, no more money can be put into that contract until the anniversary date. So I hope that explains the laddering a little bit. Seth, did you want to follow that up? Did you have a thought on that?
3: Sure. Another great use of the laddering is with folks who are business owners, real estate investors entrepreneurs who are starting building up companies, selling companies or selling their interest in companies and need a place to put asset protected money. So that windfall income, we also have a lot of crypto investors in our clientele. And when they sell crypto, they have these large uh, gains and need a place to put that money. And for a lot of the reasons that we've talked about, they're migrating away from traditional places for that money and putting them into more asset protected, tax-free places. But for example, Eric, we've talked about the real estate example. If you've got a, a real estate investor who has a hundred thousand dollars in cash value, and we're just going to say that you can buy a hundred thousand dollar investment property, and they put that hundred thousand dollars to work, and they have a two thousand dollar rental income per month. They've made twenty four thousand dollars in the year, and they can pay their bank back off when they sell that property, and especially if it's appreciated, they need a place to dump that policy. That's why they're they're buying additional policies and laddering them on top of one another for the same reason. And let's take that same example, say that $100,000 initial bank capital was spread across five properties in 80-20 leverage, meaning 80% was financed by Bank of America and 20% down payment was made with your own private bank. So you've got two loans, one to your private bank and one to Bank of America. But now instead of having $2,000 a month, you've got five properties each with $2,000 a month in income, so you've got $10,000 a month in gross cash flow. And you can very quickly see the math adding up there. It only takes a very short period of time before you can, you, you can pay off that $80,000 mortgage on the first property that you bought, because you've got 10,000 a month coming in, that's 120,000 in gross income in the first year. And we're leaving out all of the PITI expenses just for simplicity's sake, but you can effectively, we think that you can take that first mortgage out in three years or less. And then you go to the second property and the fourth property and the fifth property and the sixth property. And when you sell that first property, when it appreciated in a market like Austin or LA and doubled or tripled in value, your 100000 is now 300000 Where do you dump that income? One place that you could put it is in your private bank, and you need to have the space in there with additional policies to be able to do that. So that's uh, giving an example of how that might work for folks. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's exciting. It is. And it's the power of leverage. It's the power of capturing all of that cash flow and interest into your own bank. And when and people do it, it catches so fast. They just think, wow, why have I never known about this? Why have I never done this before? And then they're off to the races and they'll never be the same.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've done number 10. That was the last one. Vance,
2: what do we need to close with today? We have now have gone through 10 reasons for having a special banking contract built for you. I encourage everyone that has thought about this or heard about this type of idea to listen to these, at least these two podcasts, before you make your decision on where you're going with this, find out if these bank quote banking policies really will deliver. It's just like you said, Eric, a lot of people say things, but they have no backup, that they have no background to be able to deliver what they say. So that's why we put this out is to give you the ammunition, the knowledge the understanding so that you can solve some of your own problems.
1: Yeah. And along with the podcast here that they've listened to, the other thing I just want to highlight again is the resource library. So Seth, how do they get to those resources to take a look at what you guys have for training and all that?
3: The first place to start is at our website, privatebankingstrategies.com. That's privatebankingstrategies.com. And if you're a first-time visitor we're offering you what we like to call our red pill book. And it's secrets that banks don't want you to know that can accelerate your wealth. And we like to call it a red pill book because it exposes certain issues that first-time visitors may not be aware of. Some folks are, and we drill down on some of that stuff. And then from there, Eric, we've got a robust quiver of podcast that we've mm-hmm. produced and that we've had guests on and that we've been guests on other shows that explore some of these issues. And you can choose by titles and summaries and see where you want to go and look at that. We've got a very robust email campaign that we send out that we try to educate folks and keep them on top of that. Now, if you've done all that, you can schedule a call with Vance and you can take this for a test run and actually explore how it will work with your specific finances. And once you become a client, we open up that learning library to folks and give them the real in-depth, hands-on black belt in private banking strategies. But that's a roadmap that we have laid out for folks and we find that it works really well. Fantastic. All right, gentlemen, Well, thank you so much for your time today. Again, I always learn
1: stuff and this is exciting. I enjoy the time we spend together. And I also want to say thank you to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Private Banking Strategies podcast with Vance Low and Seth X. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way when Vance and Seth come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Private Banking Strategies, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you
4: next time. Did that story feel like it was about you? Do you feel you should be making more progress toward your financial goals? Do you feel stuck? Let us help you get unstuck. Are you ready to take action and get your own private bank? Please call Private Banking Strategies at 817-200-4777 or visit us at www.privatebankingstrategies.com.
0: Thank you for listening to the Private Banking Strategies podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available.